Section 9 of Short Stories and Poems for Children, Original and Select by Unknown. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Dog and Raven. Dog. Stop, thief, stop that villain, pray, for the rascal's flown away with my dinner, a large slice of roast beef so plump and nice. Raven. Not so loud, pray, pretty dear, let me whisper in your ear. I've been with the police, who gave me orders to pursue, and all stolen chattels seize, so be quiet, if you please. The raven said this from sheer deceit, to steal from the dog his piece of meat. The dog said nothing of right or wrong. To complain, indeed, was more than he durst, for he feared that it would come to light, how he had stolen that meat at first. THE MOTHER'S JEWELS Cornelia, a noble Roman lady, educated her children with the greatest care, and loved them with remarkable tenderness. One day another Roman lady paid her a visit, who talked much of her splendid dresses and jewels, and asked Cornelia what ornaments she possessed. The good mother kept her in conversation until her children came to receive their daily lesson. When they entered, she rose up and placed them before the stranger, saying, Behold the jewels of Cornelia. Good children are indeed the choicest ornaments of their parents, more precious than the most costly pearls. The Fly and the Spider Two children once went with their grandmother to see a spider's web. They thought it very curious, and talked a good deal about it, though they could not see the use of such things, nor why there should be such creatures as spiders at all. Their grandmother replied, My dear children, I cannot tell you just now the reasons why the all-wise God created and sustains the various creatures which we see around us, though we may be sure there is some good end to be served, but I will tell you a pretty story, which may at least help us to think upon the subject. A young prince used often to wonder for what purpose God had made flies and spiders, as he could not see, he said, what use they were of to men, and if he had the power, he would kill them all. One day, after a great battle, this prince was obliged to hide himself from his enemies, and wandering about in a wood, he lay down very tired beneath a tree and fell asleep. A soldier passing by, who belonged to the enemy, was quietly drawing near with his sword to kill the prince, when, all of a sudden, a fly stung his lip, and woke him, Seeing his danger, he sprang to his feet and quickly made the soldier run off. That night the prince again hid himself in a cave in the same wood, and during the night a spider wove her web across the entrance. Two soldiers belonging to the army which had defeated him, and who were looking for the prince, passed the cave in the morning, and the prince heard their conversation. Look, cried one of them, he is surely concealed in this cave no replied the other that is impossible for if he had gone in there he would have brushed down the spider's web at the entrance when they had gone away the prince raised his hands and eyes to heaven and thanked god for such goodness in yesterday saving his life by means of a fly and now again by a spider and acknowledged that the ways and works of god are perfectly good and wise Wretched and mean, though flies and spiders seem, yet even in them God's power and glory beam.
the swallow and redbreast the swallows at the close of day when autumn shone with fainter ray around the chimney circling flew ere yet they bade a long adieu to climes when soon the winter drear should close the unrejoicing year now with swift wing they skim aloof now settle on the crowded roof as counsel and advice they take ere they the chilly north forsake then one disdainful turned his eye upon a redbreast twittering nigh and thus began with taunting scorn thou household imp obscure forlorn through the deep winter's dreary day here dull and shivering shalt thou stay whilst we who make the world our home to softer climes in patient roam where summer still on some green isle rests with her sweet and lovely smile thus speeding far and far away we leave behind the shortening day tis true the redbreast answered meek no other scenes i ask or seek to every change alike resigned i fear not the cold winter's wind when spring returns the circling year shall find me still contented here but whilst my warm affections rest within the circle of my nest i learn to pity those that roam and love the more my humble home the traveller a traveller once journeyed along a narrow path on one side of which rose a high ridge of mountains and on the other side a wide and deep river flowed suddenly he saw a fierce tiger rush down upon him from the mountain and in order to escape the danger he was just about to throw himself into the stream and to swim for his life but at that moment a crocodile darted up his head from the river and opened his jaws to devour him oh miserable me exclaimed the poor traveller whichever way i look certain death stares me in the face and full of despair and anguish he sank powerless to the earth the tiger now almost upon him made a sudden spring and leaped into the mouth of the crocodile in the greatest extremity despair not that which at first sight appeared a fatal calamity serves unexpectedly to thy preservation the purse of gold there was once a rich merchant in italy who by bad management and extravagant living lost all his fortune and was reduced at last to great distress this man had a son named anthony who had a wife isabella and two little boys whom he tenderly loved and hoped to bring up well but alas all his plans were overthrown by his father's ruin he lost everything excepting his wife's little fortune which she brought him when she married but although his own distress had been caused by his father's fault he took him to his house and with his wife did all he could to comfort and support him the little estate which belonged to isabella and to which they trusted for their support was on the banks of a river and soon after his first trouble a furious storm of snow destroyed it and anthony saw all he possessed washed away by the rapid river without power to prevent or repair the mischief which it did all was now lost and he had no means of supporting himself his wife and children or his father he tried to get some employment for himself but every attempt was in vain the friends who had visited him while he was rich now kept out of his way and refused to help him and he had one yet greater trouble still to bear a man who pretended to be his friend and promised to help him and to get for him a situation by which he would be able to maintain his family made known to anthony when he came to express his gratitude for his kindness 
that he was only to be employed on condition of his agreeing to his wicked plans and on his refusal to do this he was sent away and this man became his most violent enemy and did all he could to take away his character and prevent him from obtaining any other employment in this extreme distress his wife sold nearly all her own clothes and those of her children to get a little food for them two very poor friends now came forward to help them but could not do much for them on account of their own scanty means at length when all had been spent and they had nothing to expect but starvation unable any longer to bear the sight of his father who oppressed by age and distress was confined to bed of his little children pale and crying for food and of his wife who was trying to stop her sobs lest they should add to his affliction anthony rushed from his house and despair gave him boldness to ask alms of the people whom he met in the streets but none would listen to him oh heaven he cried have mercy on my poor starving family as he walked on with drooping head and sinking heart he came suddenly upon something lying on the ground scarcely knowing what he did he picked it up it was a small pocket-book and when he opened it he found a bank-note of a hundred crowns oh merciful heaven he cried in a transport of joy thou wilt not let us perish my family will now be saved joy gave him fresh strength and with eager steps he was returning to his house to console his afflicted father his weeping wife and suffering children when all at once he stopped short the thought came into his mind this is not mine what business have i with another's money and yet what must i do i cannot leave my darlings to perish but god is merciful he can find means to save us when all hope is gone o oh god i will not break thy commandments i will obey thy laws and saying this he hurried to the house of the clergyman of the parish and gave the pocket-book into his care begging him to find out the owner and return it to him and confessing the use which his great distress had at first tempted him to make of it the good clergyman was much struck by his account god said he will surely bless your honesty this trifle putting a small sum into his hand will keep your family from starving and the owner of the pocket-book will i trust reward you handsomely for it anthony full of gratitude for this assistance and that he had been kept from doing wrong in spite of the temptation which had been put in his way hastened back to his house and seemed like an angel of comfort to his father wife and children whom he found in the greatest misery he embraced them tenderly saying my father my dearest wife god has not quite forgotten us in the extremity of trouble he has sent us help and he told them how he had found the pocket-book and how after many struggles with himself he had given it into the care of the clergyman the wife with tears of gratitude exclaimed god has not indeed forgotten us since he has kept us even in this state of want from committing a bad action he will certainly reward what you have done yes dear husband be comforted and hope meanwhile the clergyman exerted himself to find the owner of the pocket-book a rich lord who had unknowingly dropped it as he walked along the good clergyman 
as he returned it to him, neglected not to praise the honesty of Anthony, and to give an affecting account of his state, and of the extreme misery which he and his family were suffering. The Marquis, much moved by this account, put into his hands fifty crowns. Take this, said he, to that good man, and I will use all my influence to get him honorably employed. He kept his word, and Anthony was soon placed in the situation which had been promised him by his wicked friend, and able to support his family comfortably, and to bring up his children well. THE SQUIRREL AND THE WIND SQUIRREL Stop, stop, air wind, how cold you blow! No farther through my house you'll go, for doors and windows I'll make fast, against your cold and cutting blast, or move upstairs quite round about. WIND Oh, then, I'm sure to find you out. Squirrel. No, no, I'll shut my window still, and let you blow and puff your fill. The wind was wroth to hear such news, and did the squirrel sore abuse, who, safe within his sheltering tree, cracked nuts and jokes at liberty, and let the wind pursue his trade of howling through the forest glade. THE ASS IN THE LION'S SKIN An ass, finding the skin of a lion, put it on, and, going into the woods and pastures, threw all the flocks and herds into terrible consternation. At last, meeting his owner, he would have frightened him also, but the good man, seeing his long ears stick out, presently knew him, and, with a good cudgel, made him sensible that, notwithstanding his being dressed in a lion's skin, he was really no better than an ass. THE DOVE Dove that sittest on yonder roof, keeping from idle boys aloof, say, why cooing for ever so, turning your head aye to and fro? Dove Tis I'm so happy and full of glee, happy as ever a dove can be, for the Creator from heaven above warms me with beams of light and love. Therefore the dove on the housetop coos, and the boy below his play pursues, both in the sunshine glad at heart, both in the gifts of God have part, who from his throne looks down the while on his happy creatures with loving smile. THE ANGLER AND THE YOUNG FISH A man, angling in a river, caught a small perch, which, as he was taking it off the hook and going to put it into his basket, opened its mouth and began to implore his pity, begging that he would throw it into the river again. Upon the man's demanding what reason he had to expect such a favor. Why, said the fish, because at present I am but young and little, and consequently not so well worth your having as I shall be if you take me some time hence, when I am grown larger. That may be, replied the man, but I am not one of those fools who quit a certainty in expectation of an uncertainty. So come along. THE PEASANT AND HIS HORSE A peasant had an old worn-out horse, which he allowed to go about at his ease, taking care to put him into good grass-fields, and when in the stable, he gave him plenty of hay and fodder. In fact, he treated him with all the affection and respect that he would an old friend. A neighbor blamed him for this, and wondered that he should take such care of an old worn-out animal. The peasant replied, that the good man is merciful to his beast, 
and that his horse having served him and his family for many years he felt it to be both a duty and a pleasure to provide for the poor brute's comfort and ease in his latter days End of section nine.